You can turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll start in verse 13. 1 Peter 2, verse 13. Have you all rested up from camp yet? Yeah. Not the all night. Y'all ready to go back to camp? Yeah. Yeah, well, you got to wait another year for that. But hey, 1 Peter 2 13. There is a story by a pastor named Chuck Swindle. Uh, there's a story of this man, this captain of a ship. And he's driving the ship, he's sailing the ship at night, and in the distance he sees a faint light. So he tells his message person right next to him, who signals to other ships and vessels, he tells him, hey, tell that other vessel to alter your course 10 degrees south. He's seeing this light, he says that they need to move 10 degrees south or we're going to have a head-on collision. So his signal man sends that to the light and says, alter your, your course 10 degrees south. Immediately he gets a message back from the light saying, no, you alter your course 10 degrees north. The captain was really angry because he's saying, no, no, I'm in charge. You move this way, and then we won't hit each other. But the other person is saying, no, you move, right? It's a head-to-head battle. So the, the captain is getting mad, so he, he sends back, no, tell him, alter your course 10 degrees south and tell him I'm the captain. Tell him I'm the captain. So he sends the message, and the message gets, another message gets sent back, and it says, no, you alter your your course 10 degrees north. I'm the captain over here. So this, this captain is getting really angry. He's like, why don't you just do what I ask? I'm in charge here. So he's like, okay, I'm going to evoke some fear. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this guy. So he says, send one more message. Tell him to alter his course 10 degrees south, uh, for I am a battleship. So he wants to tell the light, he says, I am a battleship. You move or I destroy you, right? If you don't move, I will destroy you. I'm a battleship. So he gets a message back from the light, and it says, No, you alter your course 10 degrees north, for I am a lighthouse. If you're following, the captain of the ship was not corresponding with another ship. He was corresponding with a lighthouse. The whole time he thought he was talking to another ship to move, but really he was talking to a lighthouse, which if you know what a lighthouse is designed for, it's designed to keep ships safe so they don't run into shore. So the whole time, the lighthouse is just trying to guide him away from the shore to safety. But this captain wanted all of the authority. He wanted all of the power, and he wouldn't listen. And who knows if he crashed into the shore. But this idea of authority, this desire to be the person in charge, is alive in a, many of us. Right? We want to be the captains of our life. We want to make the calls. We don't want to listen to other people. And when other people tell us to do something, we don't like it. We tend not to like other authorities in our life. Am I right? We like to be the captain of our own ship. And we're going to see in First Peter tonight, uh, Peter addressing this idea of submission to authority. And it's something that you guys probably are like, I don't really want to listen to because submission to authority isn't something that you like or something that you practice. Uh, but as we've started the first two Wednesday nights this summer in First Peter, and as you know, Falls Creek, Sojourners and Strangers was our theme. And in that theme, we learned as Sojourners and Strangers, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we know our identity, our hope, 
and our mission. Those are the three things we went over at Falls Creek, if you remember. Our identity, our hope, and our mission. And tonight we're going to be going over um, the submission aspect, but it's, it's somewhat tied to our identity. And if you remember what our identity is, it's a chosen race of royal priesthood, a people for God's own possession. That's what 1 Peter 2.9 tells us. That's what God calls us as believers, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, and a people for his own possession. But as we go over this passage tonight, I want us to have this main thought in mind. Your identity informs your conduct. Your identity informs your conduct. And that's important for us to understand because as believers... Our identity is a follower of Jesus. It's nothing more than that. It's all, all that it is, is our identity, is a follower of Jesus. So therefore, that should inform the way we live, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we act in the world. So it's important for us to remember, your identity informs your conduct. Will you pray with me as we jump into God's Word? God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to open your word. Lord, we thank you for the incredible things you've done at camp. The incredible things you've done in the lives of our students and students in this room that gave their life to you two weeks ago. God, I pray that this would just be a a monumental push, an opportunity for us to push forward and lean into what you're doing into the student ministry. Lord, if there's distractions from today, from last night, from the last several weeks, Lord, I pray that we would be able to put those aside and listen to what you have for us tonight. And Lord, would you give us humble hearts as we open your word, knowing that your word wins every single time when it comes to our thoughts and our opinions. Your word wins every single time. Would you teach us tonight? Would you encourage us tonight? And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, let me read them. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to those who do evil or a governor sent by them to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Verse 16. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but, as live, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, Honor the emperor. And as we should know, as living as citizens of this country, we should submit to the authority of this country. Now, some of you guys, you just heard that and you kind of just shudder and you're like, whoa, 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 wait. You're telling me I need to, to be subject to this country? Let's, let's jump in here. Verse 13, it says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Your Bible may say, Sub- submit yourselves to. The ESV says subject yourselves to, and if you look at this term, it's, it's a military term to, to subject yourself to. If you imagine a military, you've got the commander, the leader going out in front, and you have all the other soldiers falling behind in order, in line, the, following the leader. This is kind of the, the, the picture that Peter's giving us here, that we should be subject to every human institution, to, to the emperors and governors, that we would be in line for the Lord's sake. Now there's uh, as we jump into verse 14, or to governors is sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. And you might be thinking, oh, no, no, Dylan, you're telling me that I need to follow the government everything it says? I just need to get in line and just do whatever they say. No, I'm not saying that because that can lead us into a very, very bad place. Right? There's times in Scripture where people have stepped out against the government 
and it's been honoring to the Lord, and their actions have been honoring. You remember Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar, where uh, he was supposed to eat this diet, but he said no, and he was fasting, and he ate his own diet. He stood for the Lord that day, and he honored the Lord. But we see Peter and John as well in Acts chapter 4, one of my favorite passages in Scripture. They're going out, they're preaching the gospel, and the authorities are telling them to stop preaching the gospel, stop preaching. And the response in verse 18, 19, and 20 in that text, it says, we can't help but speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. They're, they're telling the authorities, the government, they're saying, I'm sorry, but I can't help but speak of Jesus. I can't but help but seek, speak of what I've seen him do, the miracles I do, that he's done, and what I've seen him do in many, many lives. That they were so on fire for Jesus that they're like, we can't stop. And we aren't called to stop preaching the name of Jesus. So there are times, right, when the government goes against the Bible that we follow what Jesus says. That's important for us to understand. We always follow God's word. We always follow Jesus. That is the, that is the, the, the tallest task. That is the most pr- uh, priority in our life is that we follow what Jesus commands in Scripture. And if the government goes against that, obviously we stand on God's word. We're not going to be pro-abortion, right? We, we, we believe in the sanctity of life. So if the government is trying to get everyone to get abortions, of, of course we're going to stand against that because we're believers. We believe in the sanctity of life. We can stand for God's values. But what's important here is that even though those things are true and even though we are a citizen of America, we are ultimately a citizen of heaven, that though that may be true, Peter, and obviously the Lord is telling us, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Regardless of that, we're called to subject ourselves, to submit ourselves to the human government we have. That means the federal government, the state government, the local government, to submit ourselves to that. Why in the world is Peter telling us that? Doesn't he know that our government is full of non-believers? Right? There's some believers in our government, but why are we submitting ourselves to people who don't follow Jesus? Verse 15 begins to speak to this. Verse 15 says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. It says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. That this is God's will, that when we live a good life in in light of government, in light of the society we live in, we bear a good witness to everyone around us. If we're constantly starting fires and starting arguments, our witness is not very good. Right? In this theme of sojourners and strangers, right? This is not our home. This is not where we're going to be when we die. Right? We're going to go to heaven. We're going to be with Jesus. So our conduct matters in verse 12 of 1 Peter 2. It says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Our conduct in the world, and especially in light of government, is to be winsome for Jesus. Our conduct in everything we do should be winsome for Jesus. We know, I mean, you guys understand the environment that you live in. You understand cancel culture, right? The environment wants to cancel you as soon as you your walk doesn't line up with your talk. And especially Christians, right? If you say you're a Christian and then you do something they don't believe uh, is something that is loving or something that is right, they're going to call you out for it and they're going to cancel you. They're going to stop listening to you. Your witness is done to them. 
right? That we you may have experienced that, but that is the culture that we're living in. So our conduct even matters even more, and our con- conduct is informed by our identity. And if our identity is a believer in Jesus, our conduct should be honorable to those that are around us. Let me just say this. Right, for you guys as teenagers, this doesn't really make a lot of sense. This doesn't really, it's not very applicable to you, right? Submit to the government. I'm a teenager, of course. I got to wait till I'm 16 to get my license. I'm going to go to school. You know, I'm not going to just skip school all the time. Right, there's little things you're like, man, I don't really deal with this issue. But when you're thinking of your conduct and your witness to other people and you want to be winsome for Jesus when it deals with government, right, we all have political views, Right? We all either lean right or lean left. We lean Republican, lean Democrat. The problem is when our identity in our party of choice becomes more than our identity in Jesus, that turns people off. And when we think of this idea of being subject to the Lord, subject to governments for the Lord's sake, let's think of it like this. In verse, verse 17 it talks about, Honoring all men, honoring the emperor. When we are submitting ourselves to government, it means we are honoring those who are in charge. Any of you guys ever guilty of saying, oh, gas prices are up. This is Biden's America. Oh, man, this is happening thanks to Trump. Or did you say, thanks, Obama. Thanks, Bush, right? You guys say some of those jokes sometimes. Sometimes I see on social media people just bashing whatever president it is. Let me tell you this. People will not be one to Jesus when you talk badly about President Biden. People will not be one to Jesus when you talk hatefully about President Trump. People will not be one to Jesus when your social media is only filled with your political views rather than your Christian view. Too many of us get caught up in this political game as teenagers and even our parents get caught up in this that we are just constantly slandering the person that's in office that we don't like because they're not either red or they're, or they're blue. And guys, when we're submitting ourselves to the government, when we're honoring those who are in charge, when we slander people, that, that, that ruins our witness. If you think you're going to post something on your Insta story that rips Biden or rips Trump and then the one right after that is going to be about how you should come to QSBC or here's my quiet time for the day. If people are going to listen to that, there's no way if you think that. They're going to see that you're hateful and you're slanderous with that and they're going to be like, why would I listen to that person? Our conduct among everyone should be honorable and winsome to Jesus. Your political views do not go above your faith in Jesus. That's important, especially in our social media life. It's really easy to repost other people that say slanderous things about our elected officials. And we're all guilty of it, whether we put it on social media or whether we're talking about it with our friends. That is not honorable to the Lord. That has no place in our faith. So we need to understand that when we are on social media, when we're having conversations that when we are submitting ourselves to the government, that's also meaning that we're going to honor those who are elected officials, that no matter whoever is present, that I'm going to pray for them, that they would honor the Lord in their actions. And guess what? Not many of them are going to honor the Lord in their actions, but I'm going to pray knowing that the Holy Spirit can change hearts. But it's really hard to pray for somebody when you're slandering their name as well. So we need to keep our conduct honorable because we want 
our witness to be winsome for Jesus. We want others to be attracted to Jesus by the way we act in politics, the way we act in government, the way we treat uh, our elected officials. Because the fact of the matter is, most of the things that we say, we wouldn't say it to their face. Right? If we had Trump or Biden in front of us, we wouldn't say those things. And if we think we're bold enough to do that, do you think that conversation would be honorable to Jesus? Do you think that would be winsome that they would come to know Jesus through that conversation? Right? No, they wouldn't because it'd be slanderous and hateful. So we need to check our hearts when it comes to our politics. We can have our views, but know that our faith in Jesus goes above that. And our faith on, of Jesus should be posted more on our social media than our political views. Verse 16. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Again, we, we're talking about this... this Peter is talking to a people that is scattered, that they're persecuted, that they're alone. They, feel, they just feel alone and by themselves. And he's saying this, if you think this is too oppressive, what Peter is saying here, saying, well, we've got to be subject to every human institution. Again, if it goes against Scripture, we don't submit ourselves to it. But for the most part, when it doesn't go against Scripture, we submit ourselves to government. If you think that is too oppressive, Peter is reminding, reminding us that true freedom is found in living in God's will. It's not living in your own will. It's not being the captain of your own ship. It's living in God's will. That is the most free that you will ever be, is living within God's will. And we obviously see this is part of God's will, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people, that they may not have anything to speak against you, and that your witness is clean and clear in front of them. Remember, our actions do not save us, but they speak volumes to what has saved us and what is our identity. And verse 17 says this, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Again, we see these four separate commands. Honor everyone. Again, this is within the context of submission to authority. We honor everyone, regardless of their political belief, regardless of where they are in the government. Right? If you guys are on Twitter, and if you've ever seen the replies on James Lankford's Twitter, it's wild. If you look at on any famous person's Twitter, it is wild what people will say. How many hateful things people will say. Honor everyone. When you're honoring everyone, you're not doing that. You're not doing that. That ruins your witness. Honor the emperor. Pray for those elected officials. Do not slander them. Pray for them. Love the brotherhood of believers. Right? We should band together as believers to make sure our witness is clean and clear in front of everyone. But the most important one here is fear God. Right? That is our utmost priority in life. Right? It goes, honor the emperor, fear God way up here. But when we fear God and we respect God and we follow God and we honor Him, we honor the things He honors. And we see here that He honors the submission aspect. 1 Peter 2, 18 uh, 18 through 25 says servants be subject to your masters with all respect not only to the good and gentle but also to the unjust for this is a gracious thing when mindful of God one endures sor- sorrows while suffering unjustly verse 20 for what credit is it if when you sin you are beaten for it you endure but if when you do good and suffer for it you endure this is a gracious thing in the sight of God For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. 
He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return, but when he suffered, he did not threaten, but continue entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Living as servants, we are called to submit to our masters. Living as servants, we are called to submit to our masters. We see that's the very first word in verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. And when we see this word servants, your, your translation may say slaves. The first picture that comes in all of our minds is 19th century America. The incredibly ugly stain on American history. The slave trade of America. Absolutely horrendous in the sight of God and of man. Right? We, we, we detest that. We do not value that. We do not honor that. that we know that is incredibly hateful sin. But when we see servant here, our mind automatically goes to that. But that's not what this is. This is not this idea of American 19th century slavery when it says servants here. I'll read from a commentary, a commentary here that kind of gives us a little bit better picture. Although mistreatment of slaves could occur then too, it must be remembered that first century slaves were generally well treated and were not only unskilled laborers but often managers, overseers, trained members of various professions, doctors, nurses, teachers, musicians, skilled artisans. There were extensive Roman legislation regulating the treatment of slaves. They were normally paid for their services and could expect eventually to purchase their freedom. Nevertheless, their service was involuntary, right? They didn't sign up and say, hey, I want to be a servant, I want to be a slave, right? There's still sin and there's still bad in that. But their legal status, social standing, and opportunity for economic independence was clearly lower than others in Roman society. So there, it's really hard to kind of figure out where that word or where that role fits into our society because we have nothing like that. We don't, we haven't had anything like that in America. Um, so what they say here says, therefore, even though there is no exact parallel to such servant status in modern society, the fact that this was by far the most common kind of employee-employer relationship in the ancient world. So, in fact, the word employee, though not conveying the idea of absence of freedom, does reflect the economic status and skill level of these ancient slaves. So, for us, let's just think of it in terms of employee-employer. Right? It's not the exact same, but it's probably one of the closer things that we can think of. So when we're going through this, we see that servants are called to submit to their masters. So for a lot of you high schoolers, you, you have jobs. Whether it be Chick-fil-A or the Baked Bear or the gas station or wherever it is, Soccer City. You have jobs, you have employers. And it says, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Now think of that. Raise your hand if you work in here. Raise, in, raise your hand in here if you don't love your manager or your boss. Right? There's, we, we have good ones. Anyone have good managers and bosses? Right? Right? We have good ones, and it's really easy to honor those people. It's really easy to fall in line with those people because you know where they're leading you. They're treating you kindly. It's really easy to do that. But God's Word says not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. That manager that continues to give you closing shift every single time that manager that continues to call you out to cover other people's shifts but that doesn't 
put in the effort to help you cover your shift. Anybody give me an amen on that? Anybody go through that? Yeah. Yeah. So we see this idea as a servant being subject to your master with all respect that we're submitting, we're being subject to our masters in order that our conduct may be honorable to them. And it's honorable to them so that they may see the good in us of Jesus and they may glorify God on the day of visitation, as verse 12 says. This idea of submission, right, within this idea and realm of sojourners and strangers as we walk this land, and if there's not more of a temporary spot than there is a high school job, right, that's incredibly temporary for you. And when you're in that, you're only in it for a season. So what is the purpose God has you in that job for a season? Is it just to slander your boss and your manager the whole time because they give you the crap shifts? No, it's to bring honor. It's to honor them and to witness to them. Do we win some for Jesus? That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do here. In verse 19, it says, For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Now, you may be uh, suffering unjustly in your job, and this isn't me telling you if they're being uh, emotionally or uh, they speak abuse or they're actually physically abusive. That doesn't mean you stay in it and just be honorable to them. No, that's, that's not what I'm talking about here. Right? They're, you just, they're just rubbing the wrong way. You're just not getting along with them. It says, if you're suffering unjustly, it's a gracious thing being mindful of God. Mindful of God. This is important as sojourners and strangers, as a believer in this world, to always be mindful of God. We're always mindful of everything else. Right? Some of you guys are mindful of the Suns and Bucks game last night. Right? Some of you guys are mindful of the girl that walked by you at lunch the other day. Some of you guys are mindful of that boy you've always liked or that conversation you just had or that Insta story you just had or that post you just put and all those people liked it or didn't like it. We're always mindful of the things, whether we like the way we look, the way that we're dressing. All of these things are constantly going through our mind. And when we're thinking of things, we begin to act those out. So Peter is saying, be mindful of God. When you're submitting to your, to your employer, when you're submitting to those that have authority over you, whether it be your teacher or your principal or your coach or, or ministry staff, whoever it is that has authority over you, no matter if it's good or bad, that you would be mindful of God in that situation. Now, why are we mindful of God? Because good night, Jesus gives, an ex- gives us an example. We see in verse 21, For this to you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to, the, to, the, to him who judges justly. That when we are suffering, when we are submitting ourselves to these governments when we're submitting ourselves to these masters and these employers and those who have authority over us and we just think it's not going our way or it's not fair we are called to be mindful of God mindful of what Jesus has done because good night he committed no sin deceit was not found in his mouth yet he suffered incredibly for our behalf he took our sins he bore our sins on the cross So we are called to be mindful of that because we want to become more like Jesus, right? That $20 word of sanctification, the process of becoming more like Jesus. When we are mindful of what Jesus has done, 
and we try to mimic it, we become more and more like Jesus. And what I think is incredibly important for us, in verse 23, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. When he was done wrong, he did not do wrong in return. Right? He honored, he, he, he witnessed to the, the thieves on the cross. He did not spit, he did not kick, he did not curse those who crucified him. He didn't do any of those things. He didn't revile in return. Yet he wanted people to come to know him the entire time. It is so easy for us when we're done wrong by someone in authority to just slander their name, right? To slander their name, not listen to them, not submit to authority, and just live a life of bitterness. Live a life that does not honor the Lord. But Jesus doesn't give us that example. He gives us one that he suffered, but he continued entrusting himself to the, to the trusting himself to him who judges justly. That we know that we can entrust ourselves to Jesus, that this is the call he's given us. I said this on Sunday, if you were here. For many of us, we think with 4th of July, right, we have our freedoms in America and they're great and we value them and we can celebrate them. But to many of us, we believe our life should be easy, right? It's the American dream. You live as cush of a life as you can. And that's not what Jesus calls at all. He says, you will suffer for my name's sake. For us to think that we can just go through life being the captains of our own ships makes no sense in biblical terms. That we are submit to submit ourselves to Him because He is the Lord of our life. And He's calling us to submit to our authority in the government and also our employers and those who have authority over us. So you may be thinking, okay, Dylan, I get this. We need to submit to it. We don't need to be slanderous. Why are we talking about this? Well, there's two groups of people in this room tonight. Those who believe in Jesus, those who belong to Jesus, and those who don't belong to Jesus. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You don't know Him as Lord and Savior. I want to talk to those who have a relationship with Jesus first. Those who are believers, which are most of you in this room. What I want to get across to you tonight is that your identity informs your conduct. If your conduct is bad, if your conduct is dishonoring, it's slandering, it's not honorable to other people, it's not winsome to Jesus, then let's check your identity. Let's check where you're getting your source from. Let's check who you're spending time with every single day. Is it just social media and friends? Or are you actually spending with the Savior of the world? Right? This isn't a do better speech. Right? You need to act better. You need to do better. It's a call to go back to the root of your identity. That you are a child of God that was bought with Jesus' blood. That you would spend time with Him every single day. And when you spend time with Him, He transforms you. And your actions are an overflow. They are a result of your identity, of your relationship with Jesus. So if you find yourselves guilty, like all of us do, of slandering maybe an elected official's name, or we we find ourselves just slandering people's name, not honoring people, right? We're being selfish, non-authority uh, submitting people, right? We don't like authority. We're just going to do what we want. I would ask that you would check yourself because nowhere in Scripture does, say, does God say you're going to be the captain of your own ship. When I talk people through salvation, I talk through Jesus is the Lord of your life. That means He 
makes the shots. He calls what goes on in your life. And He is the ultimate say in your life. So for you as believers, if you find yourselves on this way of dishonoring and slandering and not submitting to authorities, then I would check your heart. Go to Jesus. Go to, get in your word. Get some accountability that you would honor Jesus, that you would be winsome, that you would understand that your conduct matters because others see it and they discredit you when you uh, blaspheme and slander people's names. And lastly, for those who are not believers in the room, right? You may be like the captain of the ship, right? You want all of the authority in your life. You laugh at other authority, right? You're you're just like that man yelling at the lighthouse saying, no, you move. I'm going to do whatever I want. And what you're going to find, if you haven't found already, it does not fulfill you. And when you actually don't listen to the lighthouse, when you actually don't listen to the light of the world, you're going to wreck. You're going to wreck hard. And you're going to be empty, you're going to be dissatisfied, and you're going to be like, what in the world am I doing? You may be in that place tonight, that God desires you to be out of that. God desires you to give your life to Him, to allow Him to steer your life. It's not something where He's like, oh, well, we get another person on Wednesday night. We get another person in Quill Springs. We just want to grow numbers, grow numbers. We just want to add people to Christianity. No. We see here... In, in verse 25, in verse 24 and 25, it says, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. That offer is for you right now. Your wounds, his wounds have healed our wounds. And verse 25 just brings this intimacy of the relationship. For you were straying like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That this call is not just to submit more in your life and to give away authority in your life. Yes, you're giving authority to Jesus in your life, but you're giving it to a shepherd that is trying to, to seek out his sheep. That he is a, our shepherd that cares for us, that desires to protect us, desires to love us and love you. So if you, as Lance comes up and he's going to, lead us in a time of worship and a time of response. There, again, the, the two groups of people in this room, if you feel like you've been sinning in this category or you've been falling short in this category and you and your friends want to get together and repent with one another and pray to the Lord together during worship, that's great. That's great. I encourage that as we sing, gather together, worship, and pray. But then the other group, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you want to take those first steps in making Jesus the Lord of your life, the captain of your life, I will be standing at the back of the room. And I would love to talk to you. I'm expecting you to come and talk. Even if it's uh, you need to repent or you want to give your life to Jesus, we want to help you walk through that process. So will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you uh, for this day. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to, to love you, to learn in your word. And Lord, if we are convicted tonight, Lord, I pray that we uh, would act in obedience with that, that we would turn away from our sin and run to you. And Lord, if we don't know you tonight, Lord, I pray for those to run to you, to submit their lives to you, knowing that you have come to give life and life abundant. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you. May we be changed and marked from it. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.